Yes, May is done. June incoming. Plans? When do you wash your dishes? Is it a new therapeutic evening routine? Workouts definitely in, or sorry, workouts in. Definitely running slower, but uh, I'm gonna make sure my GPS connects or else I don't get the full tracking. How was Ukrainian class? And may you make your movie 2023 basically over. Wednesday. May 31st, 2023, I'm Stephen Sersky, a Canadian expat here in Beijing, China, telling you how it is to live the life of an expat, which if you are looking for some sort of inside take of how things really are, well, you've come to the right place, but if you're looking for uh, any sort of, I don't know, maybe um, idea of how this place actually works, uh, like, you know, the big authoritas and everything, Nah, it's not going to really happen. I mean, honestly, and anyone who says they know, I don't know, uh, they probably either can't say, and if they did say, then they probably don't really really know, right? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, life of an expat here in Beijing, China. It's surprisingly normal. You know, this day is as day does. I get up, go for a walk. I guess one of the things that I do that's sort of unique to living in Beijing in China of all things, is that I do, every morning, I when I go on my morning walk, I review Chinese flashcards. Uh, that's probably the, the biggest change. Now, I know a lot of, you, I mean, with modern technology and any sort of motivation, you really don't need to be, you don't have to live in a foreign country to study that language, but uh, it is something that I do that uh, I don't think, I don't know, if I, if I lived in Canada... Uh, I don't know if I would be um, reviewing Chinese, Mandarin Chinese flashcards. But if I lived in Korea or Japan, I could see myself reviewing those languages' flashcards. So this is something that I do. So uh, explicit to uh, China is reviewing the flashcards. And as I mentioned last week, I've now started the HSK6 set of uh, flashcards, which is formerly the highest level you can get and now only the upper mid-level that you can get. There's three more levels after this one uh, if you were to sort of go on to become a, uh, a specialist of some sort. But anyway, with the end of May, summer is basically officially beginning. Um, any plans? I was looking at tickets again. I'll tell, I'm just not inspired to travel. I really am not. I just don't care. I don't want to pack up. I don't want to leave. I don't want to do anything. Just gonna want to sit here. I've booked time off at the end of June, uh, so that much uh, is sort of uh, arranged already. But uh, I was actually looking at tickets away from Beijing, <clears throat> and given that I sort of like to keep things a little bit more flexible, um, tickets to London are only like three hundred dollars Canadian. I mean, it's cheap for some reason. I don't know why. I, I was kind of debating. Well, can I just go to London. I'm kind of skip out on Poland and Ukraine. I know I've been talking about Poland and Ukraine, but, uh, you know, <laughs> does it have to happen right away? Uh, could I go back, go there after sort of thing? Could I go there later on? I mean, I know I've been studying Ukrainian for the, uh, the last month, last five or six weeks or so. Uh, and, uh, progress is okay, but I mean, it's not like I'm going to be having extended conversations with anybody in the country. It's, it's basically directional, situational and it's not going to be you know 
life-saving, to tell you the truth. I mean, honestly, it's uh, the, the amount of work that I put into Ukrainian uh, still pales in comparison to how much uh, I've put in put into Mandarin Chinese over that same time. Now, I have taken more Ukrainian classes, but just being able to review um, Chinese flashcards, have it's easier to conduct classes and stuff like that. Overall, I mean, Ukrainian, I'll probably continue on studying uh, a little bit of the language, probably, I was thinking about maybe one or once or twice a week. And there's a couple of teachers that I do have in mind uh, to, uh, to keep, so there's, it's not going to be a lack of availability, but it is a sort of a restriction of time. I guess that would be the uh, sort of the big issue of whether or not um, I'm able to uh, fit it all into uh, uh, my, my schedule. And over the next three, four months, we're going to see another change, uh, more than likely. Uh, I don't know what kind of change it's going to be, but uh, the this, this first six months, I was looking back at my schedule, and we've been doing five, six-day work weeks for the last five, six, seven months already, um, <clears throat> and extended days as well. So it's very, it's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. I'm, I've, I've noticed that I'm sort of slowing down in some ways, uh, and yet, uh, and getting a little bit demotivated in some ways to, uh, to do the things that I have been doing. Yesterday, I didn't have class, and all I had to do was work on these, uh, these videos, and I can tell you, without that motivation to do class, I was like, what do I do in the evening? I, get, I didn't, I don't think I had a beer. Did I have a beer? No, I had a, a non-alcoholic beer yesterday. But, uh, I mean, with this May You Make Your Movie stuff sort of finishing up, after this, uh, I mean, I'm going to have a little, little bit more time. Although, if I continue on with, like, making a video every week, which I think would be doable, a lot more doable than what I'm doing, like, trying to do every single day, um, even today I was trying to fill in the gaps in some of the videos that I've uh, left out along the way, but I was able actually to upload four or five videos today. Uh, I've still got four or five more to sort of plug in the gaps, got some ideas that I want to try out uh, and see how that works. But basically with the end of uh, that, gonna that, that video challenge, I will have more time in the evening, a lot more time throughout the week. So I am uh, kind of looking forward to that, to tell you the truth. That being said, I might very well, um, I don't know, start reading a little bit more. I've got a backlog of books that I'd like to uh, uh, get through and uh, see if I can finally get through them before I buy any more or before I go back to Canada and uh, take some of those books that I haven't read that are sitting there, you know, with the that were supposed to be read many years ago and just haven't been. But that's actually one of the things that I am looking at uh, purging from my uh, Canadian belongings is going through some stuff like that, just old books, uh, possibly magazines and old clothing. <clears throat> Not that I think that there's uh, very much there, but it is one of those things where uh, there's probably some, there's probably a lot of stuff still sitting there that can uh, sort of get filtered, sorted, sorted, filtered, sorted, placed, uh, uh, reallocated, given away, sold, etc. Right. So that, that's, that's sort of, what I'm thinking of the next big step in terms of my uh, summer plans. I have a question. When do you wash your dishes? <laughs> I was thinking about this because yeah, um, I don't. I never have normally washed my dishes, and I was kind of wondering. Uh, n never wash my dishes at night, and I know some people do. Some people wash dishes uh, right after dinner. Some people wash dishes uh, early in the morning. Um, 
I've started doing it at night because it's actually a good uh, post-podcast recording turnaround sort of thing. So it's like one of these things where um, I don't need to do very much. I just need to basically go into the kitchen and wash dishes. But uh, it's, I don't know, when do most people wash their dishes? I actually have no idea. And I guess it's not a topic that people really talk about. Um, and probably is very much situational or circumstantial, I should say. I Where did I get this habit of not washing dishes is more along the lines of, actually, it's one of the things that in my family, we never really washed dishes very often. But that always sort of, probably because we had lots of kids running around. Uh, but uh, also, I know that led to overflowing sinks that had all sorts of weird stuff growing out of it by the time you actually got around to washing dishes and made the the, the job even sort of worse. Uh, but not washing dishes, I guess, it, wouldn't that also be sort of a an indication of a very busy lifestyle? Is it busy or lazy? I, I take it to be a, a busy because instead of washing dishes, like especially one or two dishes, if, if you have a sink full of dishes, okay, then you have time, you just chill out, you, you dial into whatever podcast you want to listen to and you you wash your dishes now i'm kind of getting the the impression like well if there's only three or four it's only going to take 10 minutes if that and because you know you got to make sure that they're clean and everything you can put away the other ones too but uh i think it might that's a nice little therapeutic evening routine if anything i don't know i say this because i've done it like maybe twice in a row <laughs> wait till tonight or tomorrow night I'll, maybe i'll be like ah you know what that's nah, just not going to happen. <laughs> Do this some other time. Uh, workouts in. I'm definitely running slower. I'm still getting out there, though. And I think, uh, I want to say that like, that counts and try to be all motivational and inspirational. But honestly, it's it, there are days where I'm just like, oh, not again. I gotta. It, it's not, actually, I shouldn't say that because it's not that bad. It's not like, ugh, i got to get out there. It's more like, all right, this is another one of those days where I wake up and I know everything I'm going to do today, right? And I've mentioned this before. I mentioned in a, a newsletter uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is not so much an issue so much as uh, like a problematic issue. It's more along the lines of like, how sustainable is this? And if I wasn't doing this, then what would I be doing? And one thing I was like, thinking about today, I'm going, because I'm also kind of looking at my, my body uh, and how much I weigh now. And over the last three or four months, well, since I guess... Maybe I had COVID in December. I'm not entirely sure. I got massively sick. Um, and everybody else is getting sick. And right, even right now, I'm not sure if you can tell. Uh, but I sure feel it. Something is um, building up in my my throat. I feel gummy, of all things. Pardon me while I uh, dab my nose. And this was sort of one of the things that happened at the beginning of the last COVID outbreak. Now, I'm not hearing people being sick on the compound, but then again, I don't talk to many people here, so um, I know a lot of my colleagues have been sick. I, I don't know, it could be that I was just running outside in the pollution today, which uh, has has contributed, or was this pollution or was this a sandstorm? I'm not sure, it could, <laughs> could have been both. Uh, but anyway, with all of that, uh, definitely running slower. Um, in terms of my work, uh, workout routines in the at, at lunchtime. I'm now running four miles, about six point three kilometers. For those of you who want the conversion, uh, six point four, whatever. And I'm thinking, 
I used to only run two miles and then do 10 minutes, then do two or three rounds of 10 minutes each, one minute skipping, one minute medicine ball. And that used to take me, that was 30 minutes. And that was an insane workout. Well, I've since swapped out half of that for another two miles, figuring that I'd rather work on distance running than short distance running. Not only that, with the medicine ball and the skipping rope, it's more stuff to consider to take down and during a work time lunch break. It's a little bit more troublesome to think about. It's just more stuff. You got to think of more things, right? And unless you can make it really, really simple, really, really easy, um, it's, it's it's an extra drag. Because if you forget something, then it becomes an issue once you're, once you're out there. Then you're like, well, now I just wasted my time sort of thing. And when that clock is ticking... You know, that, that time does count. Um, I was thinking about making a, ret- uh, re- re- a return to the medicine ball workouts. Uh, now that I can actually do double unders, <laughs> I wasn't able to do these a couple of years ago. That's why I was I sort of did a lot of skipping instead, uh, rope jumping and medicine ball workouts. But now if I could do, I don't know, 30 seconds medicine ball, 30 seconds double unders, do that for um, five minutes. 10 minutes, one round of that, then one round of, well, it's got to be, I've got to fit this all in within a 10-minute block if I run four miles. If I run three miles, then I got a little bit more time and I can sort of play around with some of these uh, uh, activities that I do during uh, the lunchtime. But current workout, current lunchtime workout includes um, the four-mile run, uh, 300 double unders, which I can get done in about seven minutes, and then 50 to 70 bench jumps, which is like just like box jumps, but I'm jumping onto a bench, and that takes me about two or three minutes. And I've also added one arm push-ups and pistol squats, assisted pistol squats. I should make that very clear. So one arm push-ups, they sound very fancy, right? It's taken me a while to get to this point where I'm able to actually do it, but before you go like, ooh, ah, amazing, it is ooh, ah, amazing, but there is a modified way of doing a one-arm push-up. Most people think that if you're going to do a one-arm push-up, basically you, you go into push, push-up position, you take out one arm, and then you just go down. That's not true. You actually have to shift your body weight to do a one-arm push-up. You basically, what happens is that if you were to look down at someone doing um, a, a one-arm push-up, like for, if you're looking from the top, basically, they would more look like the letter K than the letter uh, T or I, I guess, depending on what type of, uh, probably the I. Uh, then they would look like a, a, an I or an L, lowercase L. Uh, but they would look like the letter K because you twist your body in such a way that your center of gravity is now over your hand, you know, the one that you're doing the push-up on, and while the other arm is behind your back, but then also that your one of your legs is sort of stuck out 45 degree angle from your body, which gives you that ability to sort of balance of a broader based balance. Now that's, I guess that would be stage one of the type of one arm pushups. You could definitely get into stage the later at the other sort of, what would you call it? more professional, more strict, uh, strictly called one arm pushups where basically you get into the uh, pull up position and you just do a one-arm push-up, good luck, I don't know how you do that, uh, massive strength capabilities and control, awesome, good on you, I'm not there yet, probably going to be a while, but now, finally, oh, and the other thing I should say, 
I should I do need to qualify this. I'm doing these incline. And the reason why is because I really don't want to touch the ground outside. It just kind of grow that much grosses me out. I just can't. There's enough bird poop and dog poop all over the place that I really don't want to be doing one-arm push-ups onto the ground. But I'll do it onto the bench, even though the benches are covered with aphid shit and bird poop. Uh, so I'm doing incline one-arm push-ups. I do about I do two sets of four, two sets of five. So I do five push-ups one arm, five push-ups another arm, and I do that twice. I also do assisted pistol squats, which, I, which I've been working on for a while. Um, given the fact that my mobility, my hip mobility, my uh, what do you call it, uh, calf mobility, and overall leg strength, isn't all like it, it's not enough to support my whole body weight just yet. Um, I was wondering, yeah, I'm not able to do a full pistol squat just yet. Basically what I do is that when I'm doing these pistol squats, I'm sitting down onto the bench and then getting up on one leg. Now it sounds like, oh, that sounds kind of lazy, but I'm all doing it on one leg. Not only that, I'm doing it on the edge of the bench. So there's not as much of support underneath, right? There's also a bit of a thrill. Am I actually going to land on the bench? <laughs> uh, but uh, so that's what I've been doing. I can do... I do about four or five each leg and I do that two rounds. And that takes me only like three or four minutes to get through all of that. It's a, it's pretty quick, um, pretty, uh, pretty neat. I mean, party tricks, I guess. I don't know, but uh, it's not like I go to parties, so I'm not going to show this to anybody. But uh, yeah, so that's basically what the, uh, the, the um, uh, midday workout consists of. I was talking about weight before that. So I have gained weight since, um, I guess, December, COVID or whatever it is. Uh, but that's... I, I'm not sure if that's attributed to like me eating like garbage because I don't think I have been overly or have I built up more muscle so I weigh more overall. Uh, in terms of the pictures that I see, I don't see much difference between what I look like now and what I looked like last year at this time when I was weighing in at about 78, 79 kilos or somewhere around there. Uh, so now I'm sitting at about 80 point six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. So it's, uh, it, it fluctuates given the day of the week, uh, fluctuates whether or not it's post-workout day usually. Um, and given that I usually, the one that I mark down is Saturday mornings. That's the one I sort of aim for, uh, which is probably a terrible time to do. I should do it like, well, because after, yeah, Saturday incorporates all four of the workouts that's sort of the, the culmination of the workout week I guess you could say it and then I start again on Sundays uh, when I go for a run if I go for a run uh, and some uh, light rope work if you will ah but anyway there you go so there's my uh, current workout and also on Fridays uh, we'll try to hit that uh, we'll see all those pull-ups I'm doing I'm not sure if this is sustainable it's, it's getting going to be too try to crowd too much into uh, one short time how was Ukrainian class? So this is um, one of the girls. I actually normally see her on Mondays, but I had to shift this around just to give myself some time to uh, get some other things done. Uh, she's one of the teachers I'll probably keep with. She's the one who actually lived in China before, so her, her Chinese is pretty good, which is actually kind of distracting because I know she knows Chinese, and I know that if I slip into Chinese, not only will she understand, but she might respond in Chinese, which... It's not what I'm paying for. It's not, that, not just that I'm not paying for it. It's that it knocks me out of this trying to be into Ukrainian language uh, thinking, basically. 
Uh, and so this is all on me. This is my, my the challenge to me is to, to keep this sort of going, um, like being able to think in Ukrainian and other East Slavic language. And then, of course, uh, in Mandarin Chinese as well. So it's, that's the one of the abilities that I'm looking at developing over the next, I don't know, year, two years, uh, however long it takes. Basically, now, as Mandarin Chinese has gotten a little bit uh, easier to use, now it's time to sort of incorporate another tertiary language into that mix. And given that Ukrainian is, or I'm already familiar with it, I think this should be possible and doable within the foreseeable uh, future. Um, so that's uh, one thing I'm looking at. Uh, but how would Ukrainian class overall, this one was um, one of the, we were actually talking about how students are here in, uh, how, how some of my clients are uh, here in China. And uh, I had to, uh, there's a difference between like talking to a colleague about this and then talking to someone else. Basically, I was explaining to my teacher that a lot of my students would make their English looks great compared to my Ukrainian. And one thing that I realized uh, with the difference of, um, I guess, class conduct, if you will, or how Chinese people learn, a lot of them, how they learn, and then how us sort of Western educated uh, language learners learn. So the Chinese system focuses a lot on memorization, uh, on using Chengyu and like idioms, idiomatic language and stuff like that. Um, and then also making sure that the, the delivery is basically the same each and every time. Whereas with this teacher in particular, um, a lot of it is free form in Ukrainian, a language I don't really know, using words I don't know. So I'm having to s switch into either another language I've learned before, Chinese or English, with, with using sort of Ukrainian connectives a lot of times. It's, it's very bizarre, but I can, I look at this and what I'm telling her about sort of the experience of being here in, in China, um, it's like, I can see in her face how she struggles to understand me sometimes. And I don't blame her. She's not the only teacher. Uh, this is a learning process anyway, and this is what teachers are paid to do. This is why when you try to sign up for these language exchange classes, they don't work. Uh, especially if you, oh, you can learn from your girlfriend. No, your girlfriend has to deal with you like emotionally. Forget about linguistically, right? So linguistic, you want to pay a specialist. And a teacher, a language teacher, is basic, basically a specialist in the language. They are paid to sit through your terrible language and try to help you get better. It's up to you whether or not you get better. They can guide you and sort of push you along the way or pull you along the way. But, I mean, just having a teacher isn't going to be enough, right? So looking at this, I see the anguish on my teacher's face. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. Isn't it? It's just brutal. It's brutal. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because this is exactly what I pay for. The one thing that I try to keep in mind uh, when what I'm speaking is that I do want fluency. I want to keep on speaking. I don't I don't want to be sitting there uh, humming and hawing on which word. I do that a lot anyway, but I, I want to develop the ability to paraphrase quickly and early on, especially with a language like Ukrainian. Although I might get the... Uh, the endings wrong, will I get the verb or the noun or the adjective correct? So 
if I get the grammatical usage correct, or the, the if I get the word right, the grammatical usage, the grammatically correct usage will come later. That's sort of my sort of approach. It's more like a splatter gun approach, basically. If you say enough, you'll mean something eventually, right? 10,000 monkeys typing can create Shakespeare's sonnets or whatever it is, however the saying goes, I can't remember. If you say 10,000 words, eventually a language make, right? That's the approach. That's the approach. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thanks very much for uh, listening today. Uh, show notes and tracks up on my website, stephenserce.com, and I hope this uh, sniffle is not an indication of some sort of creeping, revenging virus that just won't go away. All right, also, vids up on uh, YouTube and Instagram at May You Make Your Movie 2023 uh, or just the handle at May You Make Your Movie. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll do this again. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.